Well, good morning. morning. You see, Ryan, they say good morning really well. I'm so excited for uh, the opportunity and blessing to be here uh, with you this morning. My name is Manuel Sanchez, born and raised in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. Came to the States uh, uh, many years ago uh, to pursue a Bible degree. Met my wife in college, uh, got married. We have for 11 years, we have four kids uh, from ages eight all the way down to three. And it's been a joy to journey alongside her and her ministry to me and ministering together in the United States and now in the Dominican Republic. I know Pastor Ryan from a, an interaction that I had with him over the phone while I was in school. And then I did an internship at his church in Joliet, Illinois, and then ended up here at Gospel Hope for a year and being sent out by Gospel Hope to plant Iglesia Ciudad de Gracia. So just to so neat to see the history and the connection of how the Lord has crossed our paths here to serve together and be on mission uh, together. I, wa- I would like to uh, share with you a few slides here, a few pictures of what the Lord is doing in the Dominican Republic. We launched uh, Iglesia Ciudad de Gracia on January of this year, and the Lord has been so kind to us. We gathered at our house initially, a group of 18 of us, and we are now renting a co-working space that has an auditorium that they let us use every Sunday morning for our church gatherings. And uh, by God's grace, we have a group of about 100 people gathering there every Sunday morning, uh, worshiping the Lord. And I want to share with you two brief stories. The first one is uh, Margaret. She's uh, uh, from Haiti. And what a blessing Margaret has been to us. We went out canvassing the community with one of the teams from uh, North Carolina that came to visit us. And we were able to share the gospel with Margaret. Margaret did not necessarily receive the gospel in that moment. She understands the gospel. She speaks Creole and some Spanish. But Margaret consistently has been coming since June to our church. And she's consistently heard the gospel. Her Her kids, she has three kids, single parent mom. I kind of grew up in the same context there, single parent mom with my mother. And I, our hearts, my wife and I are very um, um, uh, leaning towards uh, her and loving her and trying to be a blessing uh, to her. If you can pray for Margaret, that as she hears the gospel week after week, she, she is now visiting our small group as well on Wednesday nights. So it's a good first step, again, to uh, be able to share life together uh, with her. So pray for Margaret, uh, a uh, lady from our church that's been visiting that needs to know Jesus. And the next picture is another testimony of what the Lord has been doing. So we pray for Margaret so that she will come to know the Lord. And we also prayed uh, for Reyes. Reyes is a dear brother now to us who resisted the idea of stepping foot into church. Uh, Catholic, grew up in a Catholic background in a small community in Santo Domingo, and he would not step into church, foot into church. He said, I would never go to church. He had some very bad experiences that really uh, made him think that way. His wife is a believer, and she's been coming to our church since the beginning. And Reyes visited visited one time. Uh, His demeanor was very 
uh, interesting, kind of not wanting to have a conversation with anybody. And just to make the long story short, he ended up in one of our community groups with Pastor Cadel, one of our pastors, and gave his life to Christ. And in this picture here, he's about to be baptized. Uh, and he, he's now a faithful member of uh, Grace City Church, and he's very involved in any way, any, anytime we open the doors for outreach opportunities, Reyes is there. So it's just a picture of what God is doing because of your generosity and because of your prayers for us in, in the island, in the Dominican Republic, and for our pastors. On behalf of our church uh, and our pastors, Carlos, Karel, and myself, we want to say thank you. Thank you for, your, uh, for sending us and for the blessing of being um, uh, in ministry together. I'm going to move on now and make a transition to the sermon. I had a, a person come up to me after the service and share with me how she was able to understand my thick accent. Uh, she said, I understood your thick accent. Thank you for preaching to us. So I'm like, oh, man, how am I going to do this one now without a thick accent? So uh, I was looking for some water. That helps. I don't have any water there. I drank it all. So bear with me. Uh, and let the spirit translate whatever I say through my mouth today. Um, Father, we need you this morning. Um, I not only know, I also feel my need of you right now. I'm weak. And I beg for your assistance. But above all things, I pray and I plead with you that you would be the protagonist this morning and not me. That you would be exalted and that I would decrease. Yes, I'm speaking on your behalf. And yes, I pray uh, that you would be the main focus this morning. We pray for our dear church in uh, Santo Domingo is meeting right now, preaching the gospel as a result of a vision and your provision and your calling for us to go and for many to join there. And we pray for many more Regis. And we pray for Margaret that her eyes would be open. Would it be today, Lord? Would you do so? Would you open her heart today, her heart? Would you, Lord, bring a Haitian national and could she be the propeller that would help reach other Haitian nationals in our island? Oh, I pray in faith that you would do that today. We love you. And I pray that your word today would penetrate our hearts and help us see the importance of being on mission and how we can be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. It is in your name that I pray. Amen. I'm going to be speaking this morning on marks, the marks of a faithful disciple from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. On September 11th, 2001, is a day that changed the United States of America forever. A day that we will never forget. 
2,996 people lost their lives in the terrorist attacks that would ultimately launch, launch the United States into its longest war in history. In response to the attacks, an interesting phenomena arose. Hundreds of thousands of Americans enlisted in the military. For many, it was a call to action, a sense of duty to protect the United States of America. And according to the stats, 181,510 Americans enlisted right after the 9-11 attacks because they felt a sense of duty and a desire to join the mission and the cause to protect the United States of America from future attacks similar to the one they had just experienced. It is true, and we feel the heavy burden of what happened in, 2000, in 2001 on the 9-11 attacks. And as I was meditating and thinking through this uh, story, through this uh, illustration here, I was thinking, if the 9-11 attacks propelled and encouraged and motivated people to join a cause greater than themselves, how much more the Church of Christ should enjoy and be, should join and be propelled to join the cause of Christ. Yes, it is a good cause to fight and defend your country. And we commend that. And we encourage you, if you are able, if you're called to do it, do so. But you and I have a great message in our hands, in our lips, in our hearts, in our lives that is calling people from dead to life, that is calling people from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of life. And I call you this morning to embrace this call to join the mission of God. And for that reason, I want to leave you this main idea. You and I must respond to God's call to live on mission for his glory. The same way the 9-11 propelled people to live for the cause of the United States, we also ought to be propelled to live for the cause of Christ. And we're going to be looking at three marks of a faithful disciple that lives on mission. We're closing out our missions uh, conference here. And here are the three points or three marks of a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Number one, according to our story here, based on Luke chapter 5, obedience to Christ despite the circumstances. Obedience to Christ despite circumstances. So we find in our text here, Jesus is preaching. This is the beginning of his ministry. And Jesus is, is preaching. He's becoming the popular preacher that everyone wants to hear. Everybody's coming to listen to Jesus. And this is one of those occasions where Jesus gets in a boat. And he starts speaking to the people, and as he's, and as he's going away, he's, he's preaching to the crowds. The, the, the crowds were so large that he had to do that often. He gets in the boat of uh, Simon Peter, and he asks him to, to go further in so he can get away from the people. And then he turns to Simon Peter, and he says these words. When he had finished speaking, verse 4, he said to Simon, go out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have been working all night and have caught nothing. But because you ask it, I will let down the nets. It is interesting. 
We have here a professional fisherman. Somebody who knew how to do these things. Somebody who, he, he himself says here, we've been here all night. Oftentimes fishermen, they would have to be out all night to see what happened. They would throw the large nets and wait for a long period of time. They had just come back from being out all night. You can imagine, physically tired, emotionally discouraged because they got nothing. And all of a sudden, Jesus tells him to throw the nets one more time. Imagine the, the confrontation in his own heart, trying to think, how am I going to respond here to Jesus, to what he's asking me to do? But ultimately, he says these words, but because you said so, but because you are asking me to do it, but because you are telling me what to do right now, I'm choosing to believe what you're asking me to do. I'm choosing to act upon your words, and I'm going to throw the nets. Oh, Peter, even though we know in other occasions he was prone to speak before he would think his words, here he's responding in obedience and in faith. And this is a mark of a faithful disciple. It's one person, it's a person who responds to the words of Christ, to responds to the words of Jesus. Many people just want to say, I'm a believer or I follow Jesus. But the real mark of a true disciple is someone who actually acts upon the words of Jesus, who actually responds and obeys the words of Jesus Christ himself. And he says, he is master because you said so. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to throw the nest, the nets because you ask. It reminds me of the story of Abraham. I know you guys just went through a, a, a series on the life of Abraham, but Abraham, first of all, the Lord calls him, and he says, go to this land that I'm going to show you. Imagine Abraham walking away with all his people, all his, prop, all his possessions to an unknown place. Abraham, where are you going I'm not sure where I'm going. I'm just simply obeying the words of God who came and spoke to me. Later, Abraham has a son. His name is Isaac. And Isaac was a precious only son that they have been praying for so many years. And all of a sudden, the Lord calls him to sacrifice his son Isaac for God. And in Genesis chapter 22, verses 9 through 12, when they came to the place of which, had, of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and, and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called him, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. You can kind of hear his desperate desperation. Here I am, Lord. I'm ready. He said, do not let your, your hand on the boy or do not anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, for me. His fear of God was evidenced by his obedience to the words of God. 
And it's interesting to me that in chapter 22, before Abraham gets to do this, about to kill his son, it says that he arose early in the morning. God appears to him. God tells Abraham, I want you to sacrifice my son. They go to bed that night, and next morning, Abraham gets up early to go sacrifice his son. And I was saying in the first service, I don't know if you understand this. Look at his disposition. The disposition of his heart is a tendency to want to obey what God says. Guys, if it was me, I would have hit the snooze button many times to get up next morning to sacrifice my son. I, I would have forgotten. It would, not have been, it would not have been on my calendar. It would have been forgotten. What are you doing this morning? Oh, I don't know. I got to go to Walmart. I got to do some runs. I got to do some errands that Jan is asking me to do, bring some clothes to take back to the DR and some stuff like that. Oh, don't you have a mission? Didn't God call you to do something? Oh, I, I don't remember. I, I don't know what's going on. No, no, no. Abraham says he arose early in the morning. And if you ask him, where are you going? I'm going to sacrifice my son. Why? Because God said so. A faithful disciple of Jesus, like Peter, like Abraham, would be prone would lean into a desire to always obey the words of Jesus. It is for that reason that Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will love my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Both Peter and Abraham are modeling what true faith is. Obedience to the words of Jesus. Question. What is God calling you to do? What is God calling you to do right now in your relationship with your spouse, in your relationships at work, that you're resisting? What are some of those steps of faith that God is calling you to embrace and to trust him? And you're saying, but Jesus, I've been throwing the nets for so many years sharing the gospel with that person. But Jesus, I've, thrown, I've been throwing the nets all night and nothing happens at work. But Jesus, I've been throwing the nets and nothing happens in my family. And Jesus says, throw the nets again. Trust me. Obey my commands. Surrender your fear, surrender your questioning, surrender everything you have, and just simply believe the words of Jesus. And it is there. Isn't it there that when we step in faith and obey the commands of Jesus that we finally find ultimate joy and satisfaction? And it is there that God typically tends to meet us. It is when we are walking in faith and in obedience. A faithful disciple is one who obeys the word of God despite the circumstances. What circumstances today are making you wonder the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Oh, I call you and I encourage you to obey, to surrender. Number two, Abraham not only, Peter not only obeys the words of Jesus despite the circumstances, but he models awe before the holiness of God. 
Peter has an encounter with Jesus that changed and transformed his life. A faithful disciple of Jesus Christ, he obeys the commands of Jesus. And second, he stands in awe before the holiness of God. Look at verse 8 with me. But when Simon Peter saw it, what had happened? Jesus says, throw the nets. They, they need a help to get all the fish out. God has done a miracle. And Peter is just shocked. Verse 8, but when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with uh, Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid for now on, you will be catching men. As we read this passage here, we find Peter to what it looks like a normal response to what Jesus had just already done. But Jesus uses the word Lord. The word Lord here is a translation from the Old Testament. It's the same word Elohim. He's saying God. Depart from me, God. He has an encounter with the living God in the person of Jesus Christ. And he cannot believe what he's seeing. And this encounter with the living God then exposed his unfaithfulness and his sinfulness before the holiness of a righteous and powerful God. He says, oh, I am sinful. It is the same experience that we find in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5 with Isaiah. And he said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When people has, have an encounter with the living God, they understand their sinfulness. They find their proper place, and they understand how weak and feeble and insignificant we really are in light of a holy, majestic, glorious, beautiful God. Peter understood that he was in the presence of the creator who was about to be his savior now that they were expecting for so many years. I remember uh, growing up playing basketball, and I love basketball. I played baseball, and I didn't make it, so I moved on to basketball, because uh, that was the only thing that I could do back then. Um, I was a third baseman, and Everybody would say, hit third base, hit third base. Everything goes through there. And I'm like, thank you. So that's why I move on to basketball. Uh, I remember thinking, we have a small team at our, at our school, Christian school, uh, about 150 students. You know, we were in high school, and it was a small court, like significantly smaller than the typical. You know, we didn't have a lot of resources back then. But I remember thinking that we were... Our team was the it. We were the U.S., well, the Dominican version of the dream team. 
we, we would smoke all these, you know, younger kids, and we would think that we were the it. I was the second best player in the team. Uh, the, the Pedro Pablo is his name. He was amazing. I mean, he played even, like, almost for the national team in the DR. Uh, and then I kind of hang in there with him. And I remember thinking, every time we play against anybody in, in our conference of different schools, we would just win. We're like, oh, this is our chance. So we went to a bigger tournament that had more, more schools involved. And we walk into the tournament thinking, remember saying, hey, guys, this is our chance to bring a championship to our school. Yeah, let's do it. Got the motivation speech, right? We go in, and there's a guy, 6'3", fairway jumpers, three-point shots, and then he goes on the lane, and he just dunks it. We look at each other, and we say, I don't know if we're going to win this year. Maybe next year <laughs> we can win a championship for our school. I use that illustration because... Because we thought we were the it because we were comparing ourselves to, to each other and to others that had lesser skills than we did. So we would look around and we're like, oh, I'm better than him. Oh, I'm not doing as bad as so-and-so. I can, I can shoot the three-pointer. Uh, he can't dribble. I, I'm, I'm a better dribbler. And the, comp, the comparison was always among ourselves until we saw somebody greater than us. We were exposed to somebody stronger than us, more capable than us. And that interaction with this giant 6-3 put us in our proper place. That's exactly what's happening with Peter. Jesus, I'm an expert at fishing. We've been throwing the nets all night. I'm good at this, Jesus. You know what? We've been here all night. We sacrifice our time. We're trying to bring bread to our, to our family. We're trying to provide for everybody. We know what we're doing, Jesus. You don't have to worry about us. Until he has an encounter with the living God, he falls on his knees and he says, Oh, my Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. A faithful disciple of Jesus, as he spends time with God and encounters the living God, he's always on his knees understanding his desperate need of a Savior. You and I have the privilege to have a relationship with the creator of the world. You and I have a relationship, have the privilege to have an interaction with the one who, who named everything and he came into being. You and I have a, an opportunity to have an interaction and relationship with the holy, glorious, beautiful God of the heavens and the earth as described in the scriptures. And you know what? Even as I say those things... We hear so much and so often that it doesn't have an impact in our hearts anymore. I said those words, and it's like it's something else. It's something that we're just so accustomed to hear. The holiness of God. The goodness of God. The power of God. And it can just become sometimes just lip service. This is what I say. This is how I try to encourage somebody. But do you understand that the holy, 
creator of the universe. In his love and mercy, chose to reach down to feeble, weak, sinful human beings like you and me and devised a plan to rescue us so we can have a relationship with him. Do you understand that this holy God knows all our thoughts, all your past sins, all your present sins, all your future sins? And in spite of knowing all that, he chose to send his son Jesus when we were dead in our trespasses and sins and chose you and me before the foundation of the world. If I could put here in a big screen our sins, how despicable they are, how horrible they are. Have you spoken to people negatively? Have you thought negative thoughts and immoral thoughts? All of them, throw them in a big lump of thoughts and lives and everything. And Jesus sees it all. And in spite of all that, he chose to come to earth in the human flesh and die on the cross for all of those things so that you can understand and fall on your knees like Peter and say, my God, my God, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I say that because of me, because of my own heart. It's because of the mercy and grace of Jesus that we are planting Grace City because the Lord knows how feeble and how unable we are to do this. So like Peter, I fall down and I said, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Have mercy on me. And church, we will not be effective disciples of Jesus Christ until we understand our proper place Sinful, separated because of our sin, but then draw near to God because of the work of Jesus. When was the last time that you cried because of your sin? When was the last time that you, that you opened the word and, and tears came out of your, your, your face because you understood the grace of Jesus on your behalf once again? When was the last time that we slowed down, not to necessarily talk to God, but to let God talk to us? Speak to me, O oh Lord. I'm your servant. I'm, I open my heart. I open my, my mind. I don't want to go through the motions as I go to Sunday church once again. I want to stand in awe of who you are, the creator, the sovereign one of the universe. Peter understood this very clearly. And he couldn't do anything but to fall down and worship. A faithful disciple obeys the words of Christ, stands in awe of the holiness of God. Number three, a faithful disciple not only obeys, worships God's, Worships God, standing in awe, but he's committed. 
to advance the cause of Christ. A faithful disciple of Jesus Christ is committed to advance the cause of Christ. Look what happens here. Jesus, after he does this miracle and Peter understands his, his sinfulness and the greatness of Jesus, this encounter with Jesus propelled him, motivated him, moved him now to live a life completely committed to the advance of the cause of Christ, to the advance of the kingdom. Look what he says in verse number 10. Do not be afraid, Jesus says towards the end. From now on, you will be fishers of men. Jesus calms his heart. says, Peter, I know you're understanding what's going on here. I am the sovereign one, the holy one. And you understand your sinfulness. Do not be afraid, Peter. I'm going to do something great with you. I'm going to use you for my glory. And after bringing the boats to land, he says, leaving everything they followed Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to make you now a fishers of men. You're going to go out and tell people about my wondrous works. You're going go to go out and tell people about my holiness and about my greatness. And they're going to come and they're going to be saved. And they're going to be now sent out to the utmost parts of the world and reach the nations with my gospel. And I'm going to do that through you, Peter. Through the one who fell down on his knees and understood his sinfulness and his neediness before a holy and precious God. And now Peter is encouraged, propelled to live on mission for the cause of Christ. Could it be that sometimes we are not living on mission, whatever the Lord has us, because we're not obeying the words of Christ? Because we're not standing in awe of the wonders and the work of Christ in our lives. Oh, we're so distracted in this world. Other things rub my attention, rub my joy. Other things produce, produce wonder in my heart. And when I read sometimes the text or when I hear a sermon, it doesn't impact me anymore because my heart and my mind is so distracted. And in all of that, we forsake the calling to live on mission for the cause of Christ. He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. It is interesting that a fisherman has to intentionally go out to the sea to fish. A fisherman doesn't stand in a pool and says, I'm going to fish here. Let's see what, I'm gonna, uh, what I can get here. No, no, no. He has to prepare. He has to get up early. He has to get a boat. He has to get food, he has to get the nets, and he goes out, and then he goes to fish. In the same way, you and I have to intentionally live our lives as fishermen. Everything you do, do it with intentionality. When you go to Dunkin' Donuts every single morning to go to work, those hello, how are you to the lady who is serving the coffee, do it with intentionality. You're fishing Men for the cause of Christ. Let him see Christ in you. A fisherman not only has to do it, in, in, has to be intentional, but a fisherman 
has to work hard. There's a lot of work involved in fishing. And as we fish for people, for the cause of Christ, you, have, you and I have to work intentional and work hard in that process. A fisherman does not control what happens at the end of his work. He just simply puts the work, he throws the nets, and at the end, the Lord brings the increase. In the same way, church, you and I, we throw the nets in our workplaces. We throw the nets in the hospitals. We throw the nets in your schools. You throw the nets in your homes, and you let God do the rest. You faithfully let God bring those who are going to come to acknowledge of him and surrender their lives to him. And a fisherman, even though he might not get anything that day, you know what he does next day? He gets up and repeats and does the same thing over and over. And in the same way, church, you and I might throw the nets and they might not be fruit today. You might be throwing your nets of the gospel in your context and it might take years. But you keep doing it. Because the power does not lay on you. The power is on the word of God and in the work of the spirit of God that calls people and saves people in his time, in his time for his glory and for his honor. You keep throwing the nets. You keep throwing the nets for the sake of the gospel. Are you an engineer? Use your, use your job and your talents as a committed follower of Jesus Christ. Are you a school teacher? Use your gifts and your talents as a fisherman of Jesus Christ. Are you, uh, are you a, a bus driver? Use your talents for the sake of Christ. Your gifts, your talents, and your treasures, lay them at the feet of Jesus propelled by obedience to God, propelled by my understanding of how wonderful God is, and then I just take my life and I just surrender it. And I said, I'm going to fish for people for the sake of the kingdom. It's interesting because we read this story here, and it caught my attention how Peter fell to the ground and he was afraid of being with Jesus. Because he understood his, his proper place. I'm a sinner. You are holy. You are God. But it's interesting that Jesus lived the rest of his ministry, dies on the cross. The curtain in the temple, the veil is torn. Now we all have access to the King of kings and Lord of lords through the work and person of Jesus Christ who on, on his body, on his life, he, he suffered the punishment, the separation for God, for you and for me. And now Jesus is, is, has resurrected. He arose from the dead and the disciples, after they encounter him, they don't know what to do. So Peter, what did he do? He goes back into fishing again. And there he is fishing with some of his friends and disciples. And to the shore, Jesus yells these words, throw the nets. Throw the nets on the other side. Kind of similar experience. They throw the nets. 
And one of the disciples says, guys, that, that was Jesus. That's the resurrected Savior. That's the one who, who died and, and rose again on, on, on our behalf. And he says that Peter didn't have his clothes on because he was fishing. When they're fishing, they have to take their clothes off because they get all wet. And he puts his clothes on and he swims to shore to embrace now Jesus. What's the difference? Why do we find Jesus in, in Luke chapter 5 afraid? Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And all of a sudden, in John 21, he's running to Jesus. I need you. I want you. I want to hug you. I want to be with you. The difference is the cross. There is a bridge that has been built for Peter and for you and for me. And yes, you and I have failed. Yes, you and I have disobeyed the Lord so many times where he clearly calls us to do something. And we say, Lord, I don't want to do it. It's too hard. Yes, we have been distracted by, by the distractions of this world. And we are not standing in awe sometimes of the wonders and the greatness of our Savior. And we say, it doesn't, it doesn't excite me anymore because we are so distracted. And yes, we have disobeyed. We have lost our wonder for him. And sometimes, yes, we are not living as committed disciples in our mission field that the Lord has for us. But guess what? The Peter that ran, away from, that ran away from Jesus now runs to Jesus because on the cross, Jesus makes possible. Jesus propels us now to go on mission. Your past, present, and future sins have been nailed on the cross. In the gospel, there's hope. In the gospel, there's encouragement. In the gospel, there's a sure thing that can happen to all of those who trust in Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. You have now access to the heavenly Father. And now you can live on mission through the power and because of the power of God that lives in you. On the cross, Jesus died so that you don't live for yourselves anymore, so that you don't live in disobedience, but you live in obedience. The cross makes possible that now when you look at the text, your eyes are open through the work of the Holy Spirit that tells you and shows you your need of him and you embrace Jesus. And the gospel propels us now to say, I am going to lay it all down. For the cause of Christ. This world is not my own. I don't want to live for this world. I want to live for what is worth living for. The cause of my Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And church, that's how a city is transformed. That's how your family is transformed. That's how a nation is transformed. That's how churches are planted. That's how missions is propelled. It's propelled by the power and the fusion of the word of God. God in our hearts living on mission. Do you want to live like that? Oh, may the Lord protect us and give us the grace to be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Do you know this Jesus? You might be here and you're like, I've been visiting for a while. I I hear all this gospel talk, but I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't stand in awe of him. Uh, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid that his judgment might come on me. I'm afraid that, and, and I would say to you, it's a good thing to be 
in that position to be afraid of the judgment of God. But don't stay in the judgment. Embrace the grace that is making available to you through his son, Jesus Christ. If you're a believer here at Gospel Hope, are you living on mission? I know it's preached from the pulpit. I know it's in our identities. It's in our identities in the DR too. But we need this reminder so often. Obedience, all commitment. Let us pray. Father, would you help us walk in the grace that is available to us because of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, uh, we need you. I pray that your word here preached would just do the work that only you can do through your spirit. Convict us, encourage us, propel us to be on mission. In your name we pray. Amen.